Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, and thank you for listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Today, we do our last show in our eight-part series on leadership. We have in our studio today Gwen Meyer, NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Life Coach. I myself am a certified results coach. Gwen and I started out this series because we feel, we both feel, that we have a worldwide crisis of leadership. In the last century, we had the colossal leaders like Churchill, Eleanor and Franklin Roosevelt, De Gaulle, Indira and Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Kennedy, Mother Teresa, Helen Keller, and Margaret Thatcher. Love them or hate them, loathe them or love them, agree with them or not, these giants and giantesses strode across our mental landscapes and stirred something in each of us. They struck a chord with us and inspired us to be more, believe more, have hope, and be our best selves. Today, we want to talk about what we can do in ourselves to replicate and reflect that fire in our own hearts to those around us, and hopefully together, change the world. Be you a teacher or student, business owner or employee, coach or player, manager, or just someone who interacts with others, we hope today to help you make the world a better place by having this discussion on leadership. Today, we're going to recap the last seven sessions and try to highlight what we feel are the most important points that we've discussed so far. We'll also bring up a couple new points. We're going to start today with episode one. In episode one, we discussed the importance of the leader checking his ego or her ego that issues should never be more important than relationships. It is not an ego battle for you to impose your will upon others. Leadership is not a position for you to have accolades thrown upon you and put you on a pedestal and build you up. Leadership is about understanding that you are there to serve. And leaders, we talked about in, in the first session that leaders need to be amateur psychologists. They need to understand their people, where they're coming from, so they can help them get to where they want to be and where the organization needs them to be. And of course, those two things need to align. We talked about the importance of having a sincere interest in your people. If you don't have sincere interest in people, then leadership's not for you. It's that simple. You need to be a leader, not a buddy. You need to understand that you need to do what you ask of your team and be a role model. And you need to focus on protecting yourself and your own attitude so you're fit for service. Gwen, what would you like to talk about in session one of the stuff that we just recapped? Uh, Matt, it's been such a wonderful series and I've really enjoyed this time just going through and identifying and articulating. And really what it is, it's about education. It's about giving an understanding of what, how to show up. What does leadership mean? And we are changing the dynamic. We're changing the way that we view leadership. And if we go back to the 70s, when it was all about shareholder supremacy, 
and we were making lots of money. Big organizations, big corporates were, were all about the money. And so the focus changed to the customer, taking care of the customer, taking care of the shareholder. And now, it's post-COVID, the new way of being for leadership is all about taking care of the people. It's people first. And it's about what matters and we have to take care of the people and when we take care of the people in our care, they will take care of the customer. So we're changing that dynamic. Mm. And so I've loved having this time with you and I'm looking forward to seeing um, what we've actually covered over the last series. Um, and um, it's been fun. So um, thank you for the, having me on the show. The pleasure was all mine. We're really lucky to have you. It's funny that you say that, you've said that before about how that was the idea of leadership in the 70s, 80s, 90s, but you know, I never really fell into that trap. Maybe I was just mm -hmm. lucky because I have a, you know, fr from the military and then also from starting out in a sales type business mm -hmm. and being a sales manager, it was always about the people in not the customers, yeah. which I guess maybe sounds bad. That's not a good advertisement. We care about our people, then you. Yeah. You know, you don't really put that in an ad when you're trying to sell a product or no. service. But yeah, I've always thought that there would be no customers if you if you don't take care of your people. Absolutely. And same thing in the service. You know, if your yeah. army is destroyed, then mm. there's no army. And that's you know? wonderful because you're coming from that, that service perspective. But it hasn't always been like that. Mm. And it has been different in corporate. And my experience has been different. Mm. But I believe what you believe. Mm. Yeah. I, we'll talk about this more later, but I think if you go back in history, I think it's almost a reawakening of the old values. Yes, it is. You know, because if you go back, you know, we talked about this before, but like if you go back to Jesus talking about those who must be, you know, who want to be first must be last. Those who are last must be first. You know, Cicero understood and preached that, you know, from Rome would preach, not preach, but would, you know, speak about that, you know, nothing gets done without the people. Lao Tzu would, would talk about that, you know, that, that you know, was, leadership was about service. So I, I, I just think that that's, I think, I think it's almost a reawakening. I think, I think we got off the, off the reservation a bit, you know, with, with you know, Machiavelli and, and Thomas Carlyle and, and all these people talking about leadership. And now we're swinging back to the ancient ways, which were probably the best ways. But anyway, that's my feedback. So in episode two, we talked about the importance of clear communication to the followers. You know, you got to keep it very simple when you explain things and uh, make sure they understand. You've got to think big. You got to be the kind of person, like Zig Ziglar says, chases jaws with tartar sauce. That's what inspires your team to to want to be on the team. That Nobody gets inspired about doing what they've done before. They get inspired by climbing mountains per se, you know, they get inspired by the big goals, you know, going for the moon, you know, those kind of things is what inspires people, not just sitting around doing the same thing every day. And we talked about in the second episode, having their backs. That's so key in leadership is that your staff needs to know that you have their backs and you have their best interests at heart. You care about the organization, but you care about each individual. And there's the old saying that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's 100% true and even more true today. Yeah, well, it's about being trustworthy mm. as a leader, absolutely. 
Can they trust you? Mm. And then can do you engender trust in mm. reciprocation? Mm. I agree with that completely. And I watched a I watched a documentary years and years ago with w- one of Reagan's top aides, one of the Reagan's top aides, President of the United States in the eighties. And he talked about how trust is still to this day the coin of the realm. That's what's most important. If you want to get something done, the most important thing is your credibility. You know, if you, you can't negotiate anything, you can't solve any problem, you can't get people to follow you wholeheartedly and be all in if they don't have that trust. And that was something that was so key to his, his uh, success as a leader. Yeah, and it's, it's not only in leadership, it's in every relationship that you mm. have. It's in romantic relationships as a parent with friendships in communities. Absolutely. The other, the other thing we talked, I'm jumping around here a little bit because there's so much to talk about and so little time. But when we talked about keeping it simple, we gave the example in episode two about General Grant. That, and I always remembered this. In the American Civil War, General Grant, uh, the, the South was clobbering the North for a long time. And finally, they put in General Grant after, I don't know, half a dozen different generals got fired for not doing a good job. And one of his strengths was he gave clear, direct orders. And what he used to do is he used to find the least educated Irish soldier, because back then in America, the uneducated immigrants were Irish, like Mm -hmm. those were my forefathers, Mm -hmm. okay? And he would find the least educated Irish person, Irish soldier he could find, who most of the other American, quote unquote, soldiers could barely understand what he's saying because his accent is so thick, okay? And they, he, they would say, he, he would explain this order to the soldier and then he would have the soldier explain it back to him. And if, he, and if the soldier could not understand his order, he would rewrite the order for his generals. So it's got to be clear. You've got to have clear expectations so people, uh, it, it, for your followers. And, and really the leader is the number one follower, because he's figuring out where the team wants to go and he's helping everybody get there and stay on course. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Well, or Well, just that you change your style as a leader. It's not about how, what kind of style you have. It's about how can I change my style of leadership and communication so that my followers will understand me? Mm. How do I connect with them? How do I build that rapport? So as a leader, we need to change our style accordingly mm. okay yeah if i was in church i'd say amen <laughs> okay right okay. i like that all right okay in episode three sounds like we're promoting star wars but we're not episode three okay we talked about keeping your cool you know as a leader it's very important you know and one of the things i've been blessed with is you know as things get worse and worse and worse i get calmer and calmer now i might throw a little hissy fit because i can't find my car keys Okay, but when things get, you can ask my wife or people I've worked with, when things get worse, I get calmer. I don't know why. I'm just, for some strange reason, genetically put together that way. But that's been a blessing that I've had. And that is so important to leadership because if if your staff sees you panicking, the the whole thing falls apart. They have no confidence and nobody can do anything. They're paralyzed because no. they think, gosh, if he's, if he thinks it's bad, if he thinks it's not going to go well, it's definitely not going to go well. But from a neuroscience perspective there, it's absolutely essential that you're calm and collected because your mind shuts down. 
when you're in a stressful situation. So in order for you to come to the right solution, in order to correct something or fix something, or in a, in a difficult situation, you need to be able to think clearly. And you will not have the same capacity to think as clearly if your mind is in a sense of emotional chaos. Mm. That, that is an awesome point, and, and, uh, and thank you for bringing it up. That's why you're the neuro change <laughs> master trainer. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, I would, I would have missed that one. That's awesome. We also talked about the importance of being a duck. Okay. And the analogy we used is when, when you're a leader, everything looks, when you see a duck swimming on a pond, they look really calm and serene and all that. But if you've got an underwater camera, man, those little web feet are going a million miles an hour. Okay. So you know, they're killing themselves or they're paddling like crazy, man. But nobody sees that. They just see the calm on the top. So that's fake you know. it till you make it. Well, that's, that's just, you know, reality. <laughs> Don't, you know, you got it. You have it. You, that's part of your job as a leader. Remember, your job is service. So you're doing your staff, your people a disservice by spreading the virus of panic. Yeah. So that's why you've got to be Mr. and Mrs. Calm. And we talked about, I think, making followers feel important, okay? We talked about how Mary Kay Ash, who founded Mary Kay Cosmetics, built it from zero to, uh, you know, oh my God, how big, okay? <laughs> to, ha, used to treat all her people like they had a sign around her neck saying, I'm important. So that's really key in leadership. Do you have anything you want to add on that? No, it's that everybody within your team understands that they really matter and that their role is important. And where it fits in the greater scheme is, re is also really important. And we also talked about in episode three that you need to delegate, which is a part of leading, even when it's easier for you to do it yourself. People are not going to grow unless you get, let them grow. You've got to let them. And oftentimes it's way more work for, for you to let them do it than to do it yourself because you've got to explain to them how to do it. You've got to let them do it. You got, they got to make some mistakes. You got to come back. They got to explain to you what they did. You got to say, okay, we got to change this. And that was great. You did that, but you got to change this here over there. And then they go back. Then they got to come back again. Then So it takes four, sometimes it can take four or five times longer for you to delegate it than do it yourself. But your job, and we're going to talk about this at the end on the most important of the most important parts, okay? is to replicate yourself and to not create followers, but to create other leaders that can go out and change the world and also improve your own, the business or the organization that you're in. And you can't do that by doing everything yourself. No, and also that you're not doing anyone else's service by constantly doing things for them. And actually, for those people that you really can delegate to that are that are comp highly competent and confident, the worst thing you can do is actually is micromanage them. Oh, yeah, that's a, so, that's a, yeah, that's so, a great point. But absolutely, one of the, an, another really good attribute of a great leader is to be able to coach people and not to get impatient and to be able to take them through and make sure that they have the right skills and that you can build their confidence. So I totally agree with you. Well, yeah, if you don't let yeah. them do it, then they you, think you don't have confidence, have confidence in, them, in them, and then it just blows up. It's so, like being a parent with yeah, your child. Exactly. You have like, to allow them to do what right, they, right. so that they can build their confidence. Right. Because if you're constantly doing it for them, 
then they were not going to do that. Mm, yeah. yeah. And the last point in episode three is make sure the team understands the objectives. And we there's a lot of things we can say about that, but we're running short on time. But Sun Tzu talked about that the army that will win, uh, the, the, the army that, w- well, he'll said the army that win, win. It was the one army that already won, which is about preparation. But, before, but besides that, he talked about how the army that's the most effective is the one where the general, the private understands, you know, the mission, you know, the battle plan just as well as the general. So everybody needs to understand what their role is, what their objective is, what they're trying to accomplish and why they're doing it. So with that, we're going to have to take a quick break. So that was, that went really fast, but uh, we're going to hear some words from our sponsors. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. I'm Anna Faruja of Chapel Funerals. My role as a funeral director is to guide you through the emotional process of saying goodbye to someone you love. I'm here to help you make all the necessary arrangements so that you and your family may have peace of mind and time to remember and celebrate the life of the person you've lost. When the time comes, I'm here for you. So please call me, Anna Faruja, at Chapel Funerals on 81825100. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia 1 sta cercando te. Chiama l'82 123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We have in our studio again, Gwen Meyer, NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Life Coach. In the next 15 minutes, we're going to discuss sessions four, five, six, and seven in our leadership series. So I want to talk a little bit about episode four. In episode four, we talked about how to criticize others the right way. One thing I want to make more clear than anything else is you always criticize in private and you praise in public. Criticize in private, praise in public. Criticize in private, praise in public. One more time. Criticize in private, praise in public. 
Okay. So we listened to the video of Robert E. Lee and General Stewart in the Battle of Gettysburg and how he criticized the performance of his main general. And there were so many things in there that I think you could, that we can all learn. I think it was one of the best examples of how to criticize an employee effectively and correctly and build them up at the end that is probably out there. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that if that's something that you think you can work on, which I'm sure it is for all Uh, of us. And Matt, I'd like to just add something there, if you don't mind. It's now more about, instead of criticism, constructive feedback. And constructive feedback always needs to be in a kind and empathetic way. Feedback that is brutal and consistently critical and negative is not acceptable. And this report, for instance, this report sucked. It was done by a third grader. Just no, okay? Not. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's not what I meant. When I said criticism, I just didn't want to. I know. I, I, I think that you can go the other way yeah. and be too milk toast. I think you need yeah. to be yeah. direct with people and, yes. bl- and, and blunt to an effect. But if you, when we heard that video, I mean, he said, listen, you let us down. Okay, it's yeah. been the opinion of a yeah. lot of generals in this army that you let us down. Yeah. And then he went through, this is what you did. Yeah. Okay, now, was my instructions clear or not clear? Yes, they were. Okay, well, your service to this army has been invaluable. We wouldn't be where we were without you. Yeah. There's been a mistake made, but you need to learn from it, and we need to move on. Right. You know, and, and when General Stewart would... You know, say, oh, who's saying this? I want to offend my honor, or, or okay, you, I don't, ha- you don't have my confidence. Here's my resignation. What did General Lee say? There's no time for that. No, you just take this. You learn from it. You're my guy. You've always been my guy. But guess what? You screwed this one up. Learn from it. Don't do it again. You're, you're great, and I'm glad you're on the team. Let's move on. I mean, that's how it's covered. Absolutely. So it is. Cri- I mean, I, maybe criticism isn't the it's new more hip about word. Accountability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking yeah, accountability. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's yeah. criticism isn't the correct word, but of yeah. course, if you're sitting there and all you're doing is criticizing your staff, they're not going to listen. No. And I've fallen into that trap myself as a leader. I think I talked about that where I had a superstar guy where I was just trying to get him from outstanding to just beyond excellent because I knew he had the potential, and I got to a point where. I, all I was doing was nitpicking and negative, and his performance plummeted. And so what I had to do is I had to flip the whole thing around, and I had to catch him, literally catch him, focus on catching him, doing things right, right. so I could build it back up, Absolutely. so I could build him back up. So that's what I'm pr- pr- talking about. I'm not talking about, you know, hey, you need to criticize people. I'm talking about you need to you know, give the feedback to improve people's performance the correct way. I agree totally. But anyway, we also talked about how we need to create an environment where obstacles fire up our team rather than discourage them in episode four. We talked about the fact that as a leader, you're always on stage. People are always watching you. So you cannot carry on. You know, why are we so disappointed with our leaders today? Because a lot of them and their personal lives are just the exact opposite of what our mamas and daddies told us they should be, okay? And we talked about that sometimes leaders have to lay it on the line and let their troops, their staff, their people know where the real problems are and what the situation really is. So I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that, Gwen. Um, no, I'm, I'm, uh, that's all good, Matt. We can carry on. Okay, let's move to episode five. 
So in episode five, which I think in the Star Wars trilogy is uh, the Empire Strike Back, but I'm not sure. Uh, we talked about leaders have to be brave enough to change direction. We gave the analogy of, of work, workers, managers, and leaders. And I think it came from a Stephen Covey book, but I think I could be wrong. But the analogy is that the workers are the ones down cutting, if they're, it's a logging company, they're the ones cutting down the trees. The managers are the ones telling the workers which trees to cut and making sure they got sharp axes. The leaders are the ones up in the treetops going, uh-oh, wrong forest. Yeah, okay? That's right. So, you know, you need to be able to, you know, just say, uh-oh, we're heading in the wrong direction, guys. I know you don't want to change directions, but we need to do that. And they need to be able to do that, and they need to have the courage to do that, even though there's probably going to be some kind of backlash. And you see that in business. If you can't make those changes, then your business will not survive. There's a, a myriad of examples, you know, companies that we thought would never go bankrupt, Kodak, Saab, you know, I mean, all these companies that were huge that are gone. We talked about in episode five that leadership is a long game, that the relationship should never be more important than an issue unless it's about integrity. Relationships are the key. Leadership should not be used as a club. You know, you're trying to help people get to where they want to get. You know, when, if you have to say, because I'm in charge, do it, you've already lost. Okay? Leaders uh, turn negatives into positives. And if you want to develop people, if you want to be a leader, what you need to do, and we gave the analogy of mining for gold. And I think I heard read this in a book years ago by uh, Dak. Dr. Alan Loy McGinnis called Bringing Out the Best in People. I think that's where I heard this one. But he said to developing people is like mining for gold. You have to move tons and tons and tons of earth to find one tiny little ounce of gold. But the key is you don't look for the dirt. You look for the gold. What would you like to add to the those uh, points there? Well, Anything? Just, just in your last point, it is about looking at people's strengths and focusing on the strengths and not necessarily the weaknesses. Because when you highlight people's strengths and you allow them to do what they're good at, then usually they will shine. And and if with the you know with the right attention, they will learn to overcome their weaknesses. Mm. Should we move on to episode six? Yes, that's episode six. Okay. Talked about handling conflicts between staff. That your job is ba part of your job as a leader is to be what I call reconciler in chief. Okay, is to sit down, hear the whole story, don't take sides. You know, come up with some kind of compromise that works for both parties, and then throw all your weight behind the compromise. Would you want to add anything to that? No, no. We I think we went into quite a bit of depth in that particular episode. Okay. about how to deal with conflict. Then also in episode six, we talked about KPIs, key performance indicators. We talked about as a leader that it's very important to know your numbers. A number watched is a number improved is what we always say. And that's, you know, I learned that long and long ago in sports. You know, you got to know your splits. You got to know how many reps of this weight you can do. You got to know, you know, how fast you're running this part of the race, that part of the race, whatever. You've got to know your numbers, and each business has its own unique key performance indicators, whether it be closing percentage in sales or, you know, dollars per click or whatever it might be. 
you need to track those key performance indicators. And once you start monitoring them, you can start improving them. You can't improve until you know where you're at. We talked about the importance of self-awareness and leadership, that you need to know yourself first and know what lens you're looking at things through so that way you don't let it muddy up your decision-making process and, and making your own biases part of the problem. We also talked about the fact that leaders speak last, which is true, again, if, especially if you're handling conflicts between staff, trying to make a decision. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One is, uh, and I believe, believe, Gwen, you talked about Nelson Mandela always always uh, promoted this idea is that leaders speak last because that's what his father did as a chief. But there's a couple of reasons. One, tactically, is you know where, where all your staff is coming from before you open your mouth, which is smart. Because if you tell them what you think, then a certain percentage of them are automatically going to say that's what they think. Okay, so you're letting them know, you're letting yourself know where people are actually at instead of what you, what they think you want to hear. And you, and also you're, you're not making yourself look stupid by saying something when you don't have all the facts. That's the biggest reason I always do it. I never say anything until I get every little scrap of information I can because I've made myself look dumb too many times, Yeah, you know? So I, I, I think that that's. That's super key, is leaders speak last. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Gwen? Well, you're also giving others a voice. You're allowing them to feel that you're hearing them. You don't necessarily always have to agree, but at least they've been able to put their point across and have an opinion, and that's mm. really important. That's super important. I yeah. read a Carl May study years and years ago about how that was one of the most important things in somebody's job, satisfaction, is feeling heard, heard. and feeling in on things. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I glossed over that point, and I really should have, should not have. Thank you for, for bringing that up. That was great. Okay, so should we move on to Episode 7? Yeah. Episode 7. Uh, we talked about inspiring leadership traits. Vision it was one, number one. And, of course, you've got to have a vision as a leader. I mean, and hopefully you can get that vision from the group. But, again, like we talked about, that's what gets people excited is doing something bigger than what's ever been done before, something that's bigger than themselves, something that they feel tied into. That's very key. We talked about the fact that relationships are more important than issues. Your relationships with the people as a leader are key to your success. And if you have the good relationships, you can influence them. If you don't, then you won't. No, and part of that is coming from a place of empathy. So understanding, putting yourself in other people's shoes mm. and being able to understand what they are actually going through. Mm. And um, that is a, a really one of the key traits to a really effective leader mm. is to have that level, that ability to, to understand others and what they're going through. Or at least letting them know you're making an attempt. attempt. Yeah. Okay, because sometimes you can't yeah. understand what they're going through. No. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, I, I, you know, if I've got a a worker going through menopause, I can't understand. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't know if that's offensive or not, but but I can't I can't say that I understand as a man what she's going through. No, I get your you, point. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. But as long as they know that you actually are trying, trying, yes. you know, it's best if you can actually put yourself in their situation, but as long as they know that you're trying, that's key. Also, we talked about the importance of being a driver, being the one that's driving the business, 
the business or the organization forward. We talked about the importance again of being principled. You know, like we talked about a few minutes ago, we talked about the trust is the coin of the realm. Okay, you can't lead anybody if they don't trust you. We talked about enthusiasm. And we talked about enthusiasm comes from the Greek word enthos, which means godlike. If you're excited, you're imbuing yourself and others with a godlike power to succeed. And we talked about the, the SIM at the, at the IASAM at the end of enthusiasm stands for I am sold myself. If you believe in what you're doing and you can create that energy, you know, and you create that enthos, that godlike power, then you can spread that to others and you can accomplish things that otherwise could not have been accomplished. And that's where passion comes from. Mm. So enthusiasm, passion, the same thing is people get excited around people with passion and you can do great things because it changes the energy. And I think we talked a little bit about that leaders get other people to believe in a cause greater than themselves. Who are the great leaders that we, we all remember, the ones that make us believe in something greater than ourselves? The last point of the seven after enthusiasm was expertise, you know, having the knowledge. But of all of them, that's probably the least important, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, Jack Welch, yeah. chairman of GE, never knew how to build an MRI machine. I'm sure Henry Ford didn't know how to build the cars towards the end of his career when the company got really big. I mean, it's, but, you know, they should have a certain level of expertise. Or at least experience, experience, um, because what you're trying to do is bring out the best anyway in, in the people that are working for you. And you want those with better skills than you in a lot of those areas, because you cannot be always multi-skilled at everything. Okay. And then I think we touched on this briefly, but we're going to touch on it again, is that leaders tie others into a belief or a cause greater than themselves. The real leaders that, that inspire us are the people that tie us into a, a belief or a cause greater than the leader themselves or even the followers themselves. And they, they make us all feel part of this, this cause, this belief, this you know, mission. And they give us hope. I mean, who do we revere more? Stalin, who led more people. I mean, is they, in fact, they changed the name from Stalingrad back to Volgograd as soon as he died, okay? Or Martin Luther King, who's gotten all these places named after him. You know, who did they, who inspires us more? Hitler, you know, or Churchill, you know? Because Churchill got English-speaking peoples to believe in themselves despite overwhelming odds. You know, who, who inspires us more, Mao or Kennedy? So the reality is, is that leaders... The good leaders make you believe in yourself more than anything else. And that translates into the, the real key of leadership is helping people get to where they want to get because leadership is service. And we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. And the true test of leadership is not how people act while you're there. It's how they act when you are not there. But with that thought, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Yo, ciao, Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone, delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite, marble, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone, granito, marmo, Caesar Stone, Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? 
Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique Stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, che stai facendo? Yo! Chiama adesso! Lo sapevi che l'82% delle persone richiama più facilmente il nome di un'azienda vedendolo scritto su carta che in una pubblicità sui social media? Continua a valorizzare i metodi più tradizionali, toccare e tenere nelle proprie mani biglietti da visita, calendari promozionali, cataloghi. Maria Studio Printing è il tuo partner creativo di stampa e di marketing ideale. Si occupano di graphic design, sviluppo web, gestione di stampa, routing CNC e 3D carving, fotografia commerciale e riprese, offrendo consegne nello stesso giorno o entro tre giorni lavorativi. Maria Studio Printing può portare alla luce i tuoi progetti e crescere la tua impresa è facile. Per saperne di più, chiama l'8352-1268. Radio Italia 1 Sito internet www.italia1.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hi, we're back in the studio with Gwen Meyer, NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Life Coach. In this few minutes that we have left, we're going to try to encapsulate our top three to five things that we would like, or points, key points that we'd like you to take away from this series. So Gwen, we'll let you go first because you're a lady. Oh, there you go. Sometimes there's an advantage and you could look at it as a disadvantage. Mm. Matt. That's a whole other series. There you go. Which I would stay very, which I would, which I would speak very (laughs) quietly in if it was on that. I'd be too afraid to say much in that series. Great. Right, Matt. I think for me, I think what we've recognized through doing this series, but also most leaders would recognize is there is no really one point that makes you a leader. Leadership is a multitude, includes a multitude of different attributes and different skills and a way of being. And it can take years of experience to actually become a great leader because it also takes practice, it takes confidence, it takes enormous courage. Um, And I think that's one of the common traits that all leaders have is courage. But it also is a privilege and it's a choice. And not everybody wants to be a leader and not everyone has to be a leader because we need followers also. But to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. You have to have been inspired by somebody, to have followed somebody, to believe in something. So I would say that for me, the first number one attribute of a great leader is self-awareness. And this comes from emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is absolutely critical if you want to be a good or great leader. And this includes being able to self-regulate, which is self-monitor, okay? Self-awareness of your own, how you show up in the world and your own values, understanding your purpose, understanding what makes you, what drives you, plus being aware of other people's social awareness, which goes to your empathy, the putting yourself in other people's shoes, your ability to understand where other people are coming from, understand others' behavior, because if you, I know me, then I know you. 
also looking at the ability to manage relationships, how to inspire, how to motivate, how to build relationships. So for me, that is all wrapped up in what we call emotional intelligence. The next thing is to be able to empower, to be an inspirational leader, you, uh, leader, you need to be able to empower and motivate others. So helping others to see or discover their own purpose, to recognize the, you know, the greatness in them, mm. to bring out their best possible characteristics, to help them see a better version of themselves. So that, I think, is the second is to be able to empower and coach. Coach others, because it's not easy. Not all leaders have the patience to actually coach people and to take them through that journey. The third one for me is to be trustworthy and come from integrity. So do as you say. Mm. But also part of that is not only do what you say and say what you do, but the key there next for me, and this is my fourth and my last, is to be able to ask for help as a leader because we think that we need to be able to do everything and we are constantly empowering others and we need to be very aware of our own self-care. So we need to set boundaries, absolutely. And part of that is, you know, in this day and age, exhaustion is used as a status symbol. And especially with leaders. And so for to be effectively a leader that is able to be fit for service, we need to know as leaders when it's time to set boundaries, to respect our boundaries of self-care, but also to step back. And when we feel like we need a break, to actually take some strategic laziness, to be able to reinvigorate ourselves, to reset so that we then can lead with more care because that's where we get stress and we get burnout if we're not able to set those boundaries. So I would say that the more successful you become, the more you need to say no. Okay. Mm. So that's my four cents worth. So over to you, Matt. I used to have, on that last <laughs> point that you just made, Gwen, I used to, my first manager used to tell me, my first manager when I became a manager, used to tell me, his name was Brad Loy. So Brad, wherever you are, here's a plug for you. He used to say, Matt, you've got to stretch your no muscle. Yes. Your no muscle is atrophied. It's just so weak. Yeah. And I, I guess that's true. You've got to be able to know when to say no because you've got to save yourself for, you know, when you're needed the most. Yeah. Uh, and also to so. make decisions. It's much easier when you make decisions to when you know what your purpose is and you know what your values are and then you can say yes to, to the things that resonate with that and no to the things that don't and to people and causes that mm. don't fit in with what your belief systems is. is. Mm. Yeah. Well, my, my keys probably are all a subset of one key, okay? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I can see how you could say, and, and, and I agree with you to a point, when you talk about, you know, it takes, you know, it's all these different things. It's not one thing. And, you know, these skills can be, have to be, have to be developed over years and all that. I, I, I guess I buy into that to a point. Okay. But I, I really, you know, with respect would say that 
you can still be 80% of a great leader just with this one thing, or maybe even more than 80% of a great leader with this one thing. In my opinion, it all comes from that leadership is about service. If you understand that, if you understand that leadership is about service, that it's not about you, if people understood that, if leaders understood that, then I think everything else, almost everything else, flows from that. Okay? I agree with you. So, I mean, you know, and people say, oh, I can't be a leader. I don't believe that. I think that we're all leaders in one way or another, in our church, in our work, in our, even if we don't have the title, with our children, with, you know, we all can be leaders. And I think if we all were thought of ourselves as leaders, the world would be a much better place. So my, my point is leadership is about service, and from that flows almost everything else. So first of all, your purpose as a leader is not, and I've said this a couple times, but I'm going to say it again because if you carry anything away from this eight-part series, that's what I want you to carry away is that leadership is about service. It is not you standing upon this pedestal, you, these minions, followers, chanting your name, throwing roses and garlands at you, and, and you, know, you being revered as the great guru. That's not what leadership is. Your goal as a leader is to produce more leaders, not more followers. It's to help people lead themselves. Give them the tools they need to lead themselves. Find out where they want to go and then give them the tools and the motivation and the inspiration to get there. That's what the job of a leader is, in my opinion. And you do that by caring about your staff, caring about people. You have to be the kind of person that cares about others. If not, don't be a leader. You can be re really wealthy without being a leader. You don't have to be, if, 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 you only, if you're focused on you, that's okay. But you don't have to be a leader. You know, leadership is about service. And if you care about your staff, then they know you have their backs. They not, they're not going to care how much you know until you know how much you care, like we talked about. And then the leader needs to tie them into something that's bigger than themselves. They figure out where the organization wants to go. They create this vision. They, well, they help quantify, solidify this vision. And then they help the people get to this vision they want to get to. And in my opinion, that's leadership. That's fabulous. And I agree with everything you've said. And I think also, Matt, leadership helps you to become the best person that you can be. Mm. So it is about contribution. Uh, it's about giving back. Mm. And it's about, it's not leading from above. It's leading alongside mm. those with you. So we're in this together. And I think it's, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not for everybody. Mm. And I think we're going to end on this thought here. I guess ultimately leadership does benefit the leader. You know, I've said over and over and over it's about service. But I do believe that if we get into fulfillment, in my opinion, at least for me, and I think this is the case for a lot of people if you search your heart, those of you that are listening, that fulfillment comes from helping other people get what they want. That's how you feel good about yourself. 
and ultimately being a good leader, putting others first, gives you the fulfillment you need to know that you have a life well spent. We're going to leave it with that. Let's hear from our sponsors. At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with a Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364 9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, proprietary limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Did you know that Podcast City can record your podcast right here in the studios of Radio Italia Uno on our professional recording equipment? Podcast City can also come to your location with our mobile studio. We can record just your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome back to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're wrapping up our eight-part series on leadership today. And we have in our studio NeuroChange Master Trainer and Performance Coach Gwen Meyer. You can get help from Gwen in any aspect of business or life or your life, you can contact her through her website, which is incrementalsteps.biz. That's incrementalsteps.biz. And one more time for the people writing it down, incrementalsteps.biz. Or you can contact her on our Facebook page, which is Change the World with Matt McQuinley. Change the World with Matt McQuinley, spelled M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. I'm also a coach, MC, public speaker, and stand-up comedian. You can reach me on our Facebook page, as I said, Change the World with Matt, M-A-T-T-M-C-Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y. I want to thank Ron from Podcast City, as always, for doing an awesome job helping us put this together and doing all the techno stuff. Our next series, which starts next Monday at 6 p.m. Adelaide time, is on policing and community perception of policing. We will have as a special guest in the next three-part series, Derek McManus, who is a a motivational speaker, as well as an ex-policeman who spent over 30 years on the job in the Star 
Task Force, where he was actually shot 14 times, not on 14 different occasions, but 14 times by a high-powered rifle. Also on the series on policing, we will have my father, retired Chicago Police Sergeant Marshall McQuinley. So there should be some good information there, a great discussion, and you'll get to see me put in my place by my father. So we hope to hear from you soon. We want to thank Gwen one more time and uh, see if she has anything to say. No, it's been an absolute pleasure joining you on this series, Matt. And I think the combination of your wittiness, your amazing storytelling, and your ability uh, and your experience in leadership from a totally different viewpoint to mine and potentially my and my academic bent on this, I think has been a great combination. It's been so, awesome. So thank you. I hate to see it end. I, I, I would, yeah. I, I'm crying now, but nobody can see because it's radio. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, it's been great. And I hope we can collaborate again in the future. Yes, that would be really exciting. I love that, Matt. And thank you also to Ron for being a uh, really good editor when needed. So thank you. <laughs> Alrighty, so we're gonna we're gonna end on that note. We hope to hear hope you'll tune in again at six o'clock on Monday at Radio Italia Uno eighty seven point six FM for Change the World with Matt McQuinley. As I always do with an inspirational motivational story. Hi, I'm Matt McQuinley, and today I want to talk about a story that I was taught by my year eight history teacher Grant Harwig. Thank you, Grant, wherever you are. Today, we talked in part about how leadership is service, how one must lead by example, and how one of the main objectives of leadership is to reproduce oneself. One of the greatest examples of this is the story of Raoul Wallenberg. This story is about a young Swedish man named Raoul Wallenberg, who was born to privilege. His family owned one of the largest banks in Sweden. Being born to privilege, he did not feel entitled. He understood the concept that to whom much is given, much is expected. His family decided to have him educated at the University of Michigan in the United States. When they could have sent him to Harvard, Yale, any other great Ivy League school, they sent him there because they wanted him to learn the Midwestern values of honesty, integrity, and hard work. After graduation, Raoul Wallenberg decided he wanted to travel the United States. And as a rich person, he could have done that in style. But instead, he decided to travel the United States as a hobo. Pretending to be penniless, he hopped trains across America and survived merely by his wits. He says this is where he developed skills in diplomacy and thinking on his feet that he would need later, as we will see. In 1944, Hungary, then an ally of Nazi Germany, secretly was trying to negotiate peace with the Allies. Hitler heard of this, immediately invaded Hungary in March of 1944. As a result, the Jews of Hungary, which had come through the Holocaust relatively unscathed up until this point, were now exposed to the true horrors and terrors of the Holocaust. Raoul Wallenberg lobbied and received a diplomatic post from the government of Sweden so that he could go into Hungary as a diplomat and try to save as many Jews as he could. By the time he arrived in Hungary, early July 1944, only 230,000 of 655,000 Jews were still left in Hungary. He set to work quickly, boldly, and decisively. 
He created what he called Swedish protective passports, which turned Hungarian Jews into instant Swedish citizens. And as such, they were protected by Swedish neutrality. This was not legal, but it looked official. And with bribes in the right places, it tended to work. Until the German government found all of these passports and deemed them invalid. So what did Wallenberg do then? He convinced the wife of the German foreign affairs minister in Hungary to convince her husband to allow him to print 9,000 of these passports. He printed way more than that. And the government could never figure out which were legit and which weren't, saving untold thousands of Jews. He then rented 32 buildings around Hungary, hung huge Swedish flags upon them, and declared them branch embassies of Sweden and therefore Swedish sovereign territory. As such, he was able to house another 10,000 Jews there. On another occasion, he actually jumped on top of a railroad car taking Jews to Auschwitz and was handing the Swedish protective passports down into the passengers while being fired upon by German soldiers. On yet another occasion, he was walking to work at the Swedish embassy and he saw German soldiers lashing Hungarian Jews together two by two. Then they would proceed to shoot one of them in the head and let them fall off the bridge into the Danube. The other Jew, of course, would drown in horror. Raoul Wallenberg ran back to the Swedish embassy, grabbed every single person he could find who could swim without explanation. They ran back to the bridge and as they were being dropped into the water, they would jump in and pull them out, saving their lives. Two or three days before the Russians took Budapest, the Germans had orders to blow up and liquidate the Jewish ghetto in Budapest. They'd already done this in other cities like Warsaw. While in hiding himself, Raoul Wallenberg was able to convince the German generals to not follow this order, as he would make sure himself they were prosecuted for war crimes after the war's conclusion. There were 70,000 Jews in the ghetto at that time, the Jews were spared. What can we learn from this? Well, we do know that some historians credit Raoul Wallenberg with saving between 5,000 and 100,000 people. Regardless of this, among those saved was a future U.S. congressman and also a world-renowned biochemist who sat on the Nobel Prize Committee. Whether it was 5,000 or 100,000, if you consider the children, the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren of those survivors, the number is in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands. So what do we learn from this? Too many things to discuss in the time we have now, but one thing we can ask ourselves is if that one person, untrained and unarmed, can stand against one of the most powerful and ruthless and terrible regimes in history with just his wits and a fast tongue and save countless lives and reproduce himself by inspiring and building a team of 340 other people operating independently of himself to save countless others, what difference can you or I make in other people's lives? We don't have the adversity he had. There are opportunities every day, every hour, almost every minute to make a difference. And there are two kinds of people listening to this message right now. One that will say, that's a nice story, Matt. And the other that will say, if he can do it, I can make a difference. I will try. The real question is, which one are you?